0: Before we start let me make two quick points. One, don't hate me for my taste in music. Two, I am quite liking this uh, process of making podcast. Speaking with good people, smart people, uh, mixing, finding music, editing. I know it takes uh, some of my nights and weekends away but uh, it's uh, pretty satisfying. So last week we discussed uh, pathbreakers, and I think I wrote a check that I couldn't quite cash uh, talking about how to build champions during the COVID days. So this time I wanted to go find a real world champion in champion building and have uh, her explain to us how she does it. So that's what I did. I hope you enjoy. Michelle Bowie is one of our uh, sales directors. Inside the company, inside ThoughtSpot, she's widely recognized as done basically a PhD when it comes to champion building. So I thought it would be good to go pick her brains and understand what's going on here. In the process of talking to Michelle about champion building, I learned so much more. We talked about how easy or difficult is it being a woman in the world mostly dominated by men, how hard it is to do this when you don't have an opportunity to go meet your customers. And then if she has any advice for young women who are considering entering uh, enterprise sales as a profession straight out of college, let's go listen to her. So I asked Michelle first about what champion building is all about. Why is it important when it comes to enterprise sales?
1: I would say that I am a world-class champion builder just because that's probably my number one strength in sales. It's kind of why I got into sales. I love talking to people. I love learning from people and I love meeting new people every single day. And that's really what champion building is about.
0: Now there is this common refrain about how sales is all about listening. We all know that, we all understand that. But there is something interesting that Michelle talked about that happens even before you have an opportunity to meet your customer and start listening. It was very curious how much emphasis she put on what happens before the meeting, the amount of prep work that she does, the preparation in terms of learning, understanding, so that she can speak the language of the customer.
1: When I first got into sales and I told people, I'm in sales, people instantly thought like my family use car salesman or something along those lines. But basically being in sales and enterprise technology sales, it's a lot different in the sense of you're not just coming out and talking. The first part of your job is actually done almost at home or, you know, in the office learning about your client. So. For example, if you pick up 10 accounts, you read annual reports on them, you listen to press releases, you learn about, you know, their initiatives, their strategies, everything about this client, and then everything about the people that work at this client. You learn what matters to the CIO, to that individual group or that individual business unit and what they're trying to improve as a company. That's all done without talking.
0: If good meeting skills are like the bass drum that anchors the music, Good prep work is like the metronome that even anchors the bass drum.
1: When I do talk to somebody, I am coming in and basically telling them I know a lot about their business, but I want to know more. And you ask a ton of questions. The only talking that, you know, my team and I should be doing in first sales meetings is asking questions and letting the customer speak because they're the ones with all the data and they're the ones who are gonna tell us about their problems that they hopefully want us to solve.
0: The prep work that she does is detailed and it gives her credibility because she can now, from the very moment, from the very first point of contact, she can speak in customer's language. She uses that language to ask her questions. Her cold calls are almost always answered because she doesn't come across as someone who's just calling cold off the
1: street. If you show them that you've done the research and by showing them, you know, maybe it's an email that explains, hey, Mr. or Mrs. CIO, here's what I've learned about your company. Here's what I learned, what I think you're going through. Here's how I think I can help. If you show them that you've done the prep work, they're gonna be a lot more, you know, approachable to talking to you about their problems and their pain because they've realized that you actually went, did the homework, maybe talk to some of their coworkers to find out what's happening, and you're not just kind of cold calling off the street.
0: Everything she does, she does genuinely. The relationships that she's building, the value that she wants to create for their customers, it's all coming from the bottom of her heart. She's interested in building a mutually rewarding professional relationship, not a one-way opportunistic transaction.
1: The people that we're selling to are actually humans on the other side. For example, you know, I might be a sales rep or a sales leader at a company, and I'm selling to a CIO of a massive $60 billion company. It seems intimidating, but if you just actually remember that the person that you're selling to is a human on the other side, right? They have a favorite food, a favorite wine, a favorite whiskey, a favorite sport. They have hobbies outside of work. They have a family they go home to. If you remember that you actually have a lot more in common with the person on the other end and realize that and don't be so afraid that this person is a lot more career advanced than you. It's going to help you be a lot better in meetings and actually build this person into a champion instead of just having work conversations. So I always tell my team, be human, smile, have fun, and make a connection with them outside of just feature function technology. And you can start to build this champion. And the second way that we have to do it is you have to bring these people value. By bringing value, you don't waste their time. So a big thing I always say as well is these are your clients, of course, but you don't have to talk to them every single day just to talk to them. Do not engage in conversation unless you do have something important to say. Make sure that your time that you email them or call them, it's important to them. It's information that they want to learn about. So It's a combination of the two things, being human, not wasting their time. And if you do both of these over time and and solve their problems on the way, you're gonna build great champion.
0: The way Michelle talks about the humanity of sales is I thought very different and encouraging. And she talks about probably the most important thing, which is don't waste their time.
1: Make sure that maybe it's every two weeks, send the CIO a note and say, Hey, Mr. and Mrs. CIO, we're doing, you know, a proof of value with your team to solve these problems for you. We hope that your future state looks like XYZ with our software. Just want to keep you in the loop and don't ask for anything. It's just an FYI, simple email to let them know that you're engaged with their team. You're solving problems for them. And you keep doing that every few weeks so that Later in the process, when you do have an ask and you want to meet with them for 30 minutes to ultimately present your findings and your pricing and basically ask for a purchase of the software and for them to become a customer, they have a history of emails with you. They understand that you're not just a random person reaching out. You've been working with their team for months and doing such great hard work. It's a perfect way to just never ask for something until it's really needed.
0: Michelle about how things have changed with COVID. Is it impossible to do what she does best? Is it impossible to build lasting relationships during these days of COVID where we are all staring at Hollywood squares?
1: This past year has been really tough, right? Best part of my job is going to spend time with my clients and my team and being in person with them and doing fun stuff like that. And that's all gone away. So because of that, we've had to adapt. And my team, there's a few ways that we do it. Um, the first thing I'd say is actually a benefit. Everyone's home right now, which means that people are not on airplanes flying. And CIOs and you know executives at these massive companies are usually flying all over the world, are constantly on a plane, constantly in an airport, and really never have time for maybe sales reps. So now these people are at their computer and they could be on LinkedIn right at night after dinner. They they have time to take 15 minute meetings here and there. On top of that, you know, we use Zoom as a company here at ThoughtSpot and Zoom has created these virtual backgrounds, which I've been having a blast with. So I live in Boston, I'm a diehard Tom Brady, tough subjects as he just left us, but I'm a diehard Patriots fan. And my background, every single time I get on a Zoom, is the Gillette Stadium, where they play. It's a conversation starter, right? I'm getting on the phone with clients and it's either one of two things. It's, wow, you're a Pats fan, this is awesome. Or, oh, you're a Pats fan? It's a great conversation starter to help build champions. Um, Instead of when you walk into a meeting in person, there's nothing fun like that to start a conversation. So the first three minutes of almost every Zoom, we're small talking about Something like that. And if people don't like sports, I've had people throw up Mars in back of them and different planets and just anything creative to get a conversation started. And as time goes on and you learn what people and your customers like week after week or month after month meeting with them. We change it up we i will bring something that i know they like i had a client that loves you know a certain food i put that food on my background the next time so it's just a great way to almost smile have fun with this and, and deal with covid um, and then finally the last way that we've actually done this is we can't be in person technically eating with clients but you can do virtual wine events it was a huge hit we had everybody show up shipped wine to their doors They invited, you know, their spouses could join with them if they'd like. And we also sent gift cards to do virtual meals instead of having an in-person meal. So there's definitely creative ways to do it. Um, That's how my team does it. And we're having fun with it. We're embracing it.
0: Listening to Michelle, it became clear to me that she loves sports. And by no means she's an introvert. She's a 10 out of 10 when it comes to being an extrovert. And I don't see any problem that she can walk into a room and then command the respect in the room. But are those the baseline? I mean, should one person be an extrovert, should like sports, and should be that good at networking to be a successful salesperson? That's what I asked her next.
1: I love sports, would play them seven days a week, still kind of do. And I am a 10 out of 10 on a scale for being an extrovert. Like I am, that is me. I just am loud at all times. I love it, love talking to people, networking on the weekends, anytime, even if I go to the grocery store, I'm networking. So yes, I was born to do this job. Having said that, I do know many successful introverts who also don't even like sports. It sounds almost contradicting to this tech sales world where that is most people, but you don't have to be a level 10 extrovert. I would say it would help if you're at least a level four because you are talking to people and reaching out to people, and you have to be, you know, have to have confidence in order to do that. But I've worked with plenty of people whose strengths are different things. My strengths are my, you know, being loud and talking to anybody and can talk to anyone no matter who they are. Other people have different strengths. So maybe other people understand technology way better than I do. Or they can run a technical proof of value better than anybody else I've seen. Or super detail-oriented, which you have to be. You're the CEO of your 10 accounts, and if you're detail-oriented and can prepare like nobody else, that's going to be your strengths. Everyone has something that they're good at, and introverts tend to be insane preppers, and they're going to prep really well, maybe they're technical, run a perfect POV. Um, whatever it may be, you can still be super successful. And then with sports, it sounds, it sounds funny, but most of the people I sell to are in IT in my career, right? And IT a lot of the times actually don't like sports. I've had so many clients who say to me, Michelle, I know you love sports, but I actually don't. And that's fine, because guess what? There's something there. There's there's wine, there's whiskey, there redoing their house just like you are. They're buying a new car. They're talking about their families. They're going on vacations, right? Like I've had a client who, he hated sports and he didn't drink, but we would always talk about his vacation and where he wanted to go. And there's certain things that you can connect with people. So you definitely don't have to be a huge extrovert. You're gonna have other strengths. And then sports is just an easy thing to talk about with most people we sell to since it's a very male dominated industry but a lot of males actually like other things than sports. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: At the core of sales, there is a power disparity that exists. On one hand, you have a seller who needs that deal to get paid. On the other hand, you have a buyer, a customer, who probably controls millions and millions of dollars of uh, purchasing uh, on behalf of uh, her or his company. So anytime there is a, a disproportionate allocation of power, the relationships are always dicey. So in this context, doing sales, I wanted to ask Michelle about is this even built for women on top of which you have to think about dinners that happens over long hours, drinks that might be flowing. Can a woman really do this and still have whatever she wants to have outside of work?
1: It is very tricky to champion build when you're dealing with just men. Like I have sold for the past 10 plus years and I'd say probably 95% of the people I've sold to are male. A lot of the times, you know, they're a lot older than me just based on I'm, I'm pretty young for this industry as well. So young and a female and it's tricky to do so, but I've actually become friends with a lot of my customers, and I'd say most of them are great, have been awesome throughout. Some of them have daughters the same age as me, so we will relate on that, or they have sisters that have something in common with. But I also champion, build, and invite their spouses. Like we did. We went to Hamilton and had, you know, our champions basically bring a plus one and they could bring their wives or whoever it was. And it was a great event where our clients, I could champion build with, uh, it's definitely harder, I'd say than me building a female, which, you know, clients were doing right now. It's, it's just so much easier for me, but you know, you have to make sure you're professional, bring them value and show them that, that you're really there to basically make their company a better company because you're solving problems and then from there the dinners and all of that will come and you'll talk work and you'll talk sports and usually that works
0: from michelle's answer it sort of became clear that yes there are problems and i can clearly sense that she was trying not to cross the line but there have been experiences that were not pleasant even if it is one percent or ten percent the question is what happens when a customer crosses the line. And I asked Michelle about that and her answer was extremely encouraging and real.
1: Being a female in a very male-dominated industry, yes, it's gonna to happen to us more so. Statistics will show that. But I would say, number one, you have to be confident. You have to almost keep the, the conversation very much business focused. Talk about your family, talk about your life. Don't ever offer up anything that would sound inappropriate or anything like that. I always keep conversations very appropriate and very on track, which is why I always talk so much about sports, but it happens. And if it, and if it does happen, make sure you tell somebody and, make sure that it's reported for sure because just like there is maybe one out of a hundred people that are bad there's 99 other people who are fantastic and when you deal with the other 99 percent of people who are amazing to work with and sell to and and guys that are fantastic it's worth it sorry there's always one bad egg in every industry in every situation whatever we're talking about um but specifically talking about this i'd say the 99% definitely outweighs the 1% and you know don't let one bad egg you know ruin your career and your life
0: look i think women have crosses to bear no matter what they do in professional life that men rarely do have to bear but having said that it, the the challenges for women sellers are not just from customer sites that i've seen when evening people are hanging out at a bar and drinking uh, let's imagine a group of men who are probably competitive in everything they do. Let's imagine that the best seller for that season or that quarter is a woman. Obviously, majority of male sellers being respectful towards that, but I've also seen at least a handful of them using the fact that she is a woman against her, saying things like, well, obviously, she can flirt her way into any account she wants. She can sweet talk anyone to do a POC when she wants to. I don't have that luxury. More often than not, in most, almost all cases, these are excuses, sour grapes. But I didn't want to leave Michelle off uh, the phone call without asking her about that. How does the peer pressure of working in a group of uh, professionals, mostly 90-95% men, uh, and when she's as competitive as any one of them, how does it work when she beats them and how do others respond to it?
1: I'll give you an example of just someone on my team right now who's, she's working and selling to all females uh, at this client in New England. She is champion building them better than I've seen in years for someone to champion build and it's female to female. And once people understand that it is Not because she's not selling to men or whatever it is, but it's because of how she is as a person. She's outgoing. She is personable to anybody she talks to, whether they're 80 years old, 10 years old, male, female, introvert, extrovert. It doesn't matter who she's talking to. She's just skilled at talking to people and understanding their emotions. She has very high emotional intelligence or EQ, and in females, they typically have higher EQ than males. There's been studies on this. It actually is why I think females are so good at champion building. So yes, men are going to maybe say that, or people will say that about us, you know, but it's really because of our ability, I think, to talk to anybody and and be able to understand how they're feeling, their emotions, and, and basically have a business conversation, but also keep it very personal and very truthful with the person.
0: Speaking with Michelle, it became clear to me that she can basically do whatever she wants because she has the level of confidence, skills, and uh, grit to succeed in whatever she wants to do. And that is not unique to Michelle. There are thousands, millions of women out there. I wanted to ask her what advice she has for any young woman entering work life for the first time, professional life for the first time out of a school or a college, thinking about software sales as one possible venue to grow into.
1: If I could give any advice to the females out there, I'd say, come try this, try sales, because call me if you need to, LinkedIn message me, I'll I'll tell you all the amazing things about it. But it's actually not so bad to be one of the only females in sales right now because I'm calling on a CIO who has 50 sales reps calling on him. I would guess that about 48 to 49 of the people calling on him are male. I might be the only female calling on him, which is gonna allow me to stand out. So like other females trying to get into this industry, sales is an industry, the more you sell, the more you get paid. So I'm trying to stand out and do a lot and Basically, stand out from my competition. And being a female, you're going to instantly stand out. You're going to be one of 50. It's okay because that's going to make them remember you more. And then, on top of that, not only are they going to remember you more, but also working with your colleagues. Like, it's pretty cool to be, to stand out as one of the only females in this industry that's, you know, really good at their job. You know, I talked to my female coworkers about this. I I talked to them even before I jumped on with you and they feel the same way. They're like, it's it's almost a great feeling to stand out and be the best at our job and our profession when there's not many of us uh, in this profession. But we welcome more of you females out there for sure. I always say like most colleges and people in school don't even know this profession exists, but software sales is fantastic. It's been the best career you can You know, it's competitive, which I love, of course, but it's also, it's not just sales. Like it's really almost consulting. You're understanding. If you can listen and understand your customers' problems and read about them and do your prep work and then go map technology feature function back to that at the end with your team, that's more of what the sales is. The sales comes at the end. It's about 10% of your job. The other 90% is really consultant work with your clients working with your co-workers as a team throughout our process and then at the end doing that sale
0: thank you for listening if you found this to be interesting and useful please do subscribe and share your feedback with me thank you